0: When you look at the world of sales, what are the seven traits that all closers have that allow them to close deals and be better at what they do? And what exactly are they? Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at the How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvan Bell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from the How to Sell Show studios on episode number 191, seven skills all closers have. <laughs> uh, I have the ability to ride and work with salespeople from all sorts of different industries, all sorts of different services, from in home sales to commercial sales, product sales, real estate, car sales, enterprise, phone. We can just go down this list to name a few. And what I did was a couple months back is I sat down and I drew out a grid of like, what are the common threads, the common traits that these people have that they don't necessarily know each other, they don't sell the same product, they don't sell the same service? What is it that they're doing that's going to allow them to close deals? And I've, I've always been enthralled in what is the makeup? What's like the genetics of a closer? And, you know, you could look for like the way that somebody looks, you could look for the way that somebody sounds, Like, I I have a belief that there's three traits of closers, that they're good looking, they're funny, and they're socially awkward. But, you know, that's not a skill that all closers have. And like, you know what? You can't just be born good looking sometimes. Like, I didn't get that genetic and I'm okay with it. You know, uh, I do believe that I'm funny and there are times where I'm socially awkward. But if you could have a skill that you could develop, a skill that you could develop that overlaid everything. These are the seven that I came up with. And you may have a different view and you may have a different belief and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like we don't always have to agree. I'm way cool with that. And so the way that you could figure this out is you could draw your own grid. You could come up with your own information and you could watch other salespeople. You could watch closers. You specifically want to target the people who are the best of the best because in that way you can model them. And modeling means that you do what they do. And you can, when you model which is an NLP term, that's where this comes from is neuro-linguistic programming. When you model, you can, you can use those things to your benefit. So when you're done and you build out your list, and you, or you could just use mine, which is probably gonna be easier, you can evaluate where your skills and where your capabilities are. What are you good at? What are, what are you exceptional at? What do you struggle with? And this uh, allows you to look at things just a little bit differently. But be willing to dig in and ask questions, you know, am I on the right path or things go in the right direction for me? And I put these for the most part in the order of a presentation that you would give. Okay. And you could, you could build out a really simple grid. There's seven things here. You could build out this really simple thing, uh, a simple grid with seven ideas. And the first is the self-image. This is the way that closers carry themselves. This is how they act. This is their persona. This is their confidence. This is their aura in a room. Like, you know, you know, when somebody walks in the room, what they think about themselves, you know, what they believe about themselves and how those thoughts are going. You know, you could look at somebody and go, Yep, that dude or that chick is a closer. And sometimes you're surprised. But there's, there's usually a feel about somebody who's confident in themselves and knows the directions to go. I talk about this a lot in the How to Sell show is the the direction that you point, the horizon that you go for uh, on a sales presentation. And self-image is part of this. Like, you know, you're going to walk in a room and you're going to say, this is the direction that we're marching. It's a form of leadership, okay? Tied to this would be number two, and they do go hand in hand. And it's going to be the delivery, it's going to be the communication style. It's, it's how they interact with people when they meet. It's the pitch, the tone, the cadence. It's how they say things. It's timing. Like if you were to study an industry outside of sales, you would want to study comedians. Because comedy is all about timing and pause and milking a crowd. And so like one of the coolest things that you could do is you could take improv classes. You know, improv classes are one of the greatest things that are not very much talked about in the world of sales, world of sales that would really help just about anybody out. You know, you want to you see where you struggle in a presentation. It's not going to happen in sales training to the extent and as fast as you could figure it out with doing improv classes. So delivery matters. You know, think of some of the best comedians of all time. Richard Pryor, amazing timing. Uh, Eddie Murphy, amazing timing. Uh, George Carlin, amazing timing. I'm I'm just like thinking Mitch Fatel has amazing timing. Uh, little Jimmy Norton has got good timing. Uh, uh, Dave Chappelle, the goat, has some amazing timing. And so, like you know, most salespeople don't think of of what they can learn from comedians. And timing is probably one of the things that you could learn for delivery. It's 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 not just what you say; it's how you say it. It's the space that you say it. It's the 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 quips, the comebacks, the things that you can do. Number three on this list, rapport. There's plenty of salespeople out there that can build rapport, but that's all they got. They're a one-trick pony. They're able to talk about people's cars, their boats, their football team, their soccer team, their kids. Like uh, you know, with somebody who doesn't have kids, I can I could talk about a lot of stuff and I could be interested, but I, I will tell you. There's times where people want to build rapport with me around kids. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't get it. There's times where people want to build rapport with me around American football. And I'm like, "Uh, I watch women's beach volleyball and big wave surfing. Those are the only two sports I watch. Go team Brazil. And if you don't believe me, Google the pictures. So like, you know, you got to be careful when you're building rapport, but the best of the best salespeople can build rapport off of just about anything. They're naturally curious. Okay. Which leads into number four questions closers are masterful at asking questions masterful so they use their self-image they use their delivery they use their rapport to use the questions as a tool and so like i could think of a couple of questions that i have seen closers use to flip situations one of them is it possible because it's more of like it's not a question for the sake of asking a question, they may come back and go, Hey, is it possible that this is what you're looking for? Or this is what you're doing. Or uh, something that Dr. Alan Bernard uses in his framework is, is, is impossible unless, which is a question. It's impossible unless, right. And you let the person fill, fill in the blanks. They turn the tables on the buyer. And so like my challenge for you for real is to build your list of masterful questions uh, 10 years ago, I went to the Google, went to uncle Google and typed in sales questions. And I spent an entire weekend afternoon. I can't remember how long it was, but I spent hours going through and sorting questions and putting questions in order and then putting them in uh, times new Roman 12 font. Cause that's my favorite. And, and I have a list of questions that I could go back to that I'm constantly adding to it's like, you know, some people get stuck in like, Hey, I want this word track. Word tracks are good questions. You need some questions. You need some masterful questions that make people think and pause. And the really cool thing about a question is you can ask it and the person doesn't have to answer it out loud, but they have to think about it. So this is where your delivery comes in. Okay. So number one, self-image. Number two, delivery. Number three, rapport. Number four, questions. Number five, presentation. This is how a salesperson presents and they use all of these things that I just mentioned to their advantage they they use them as tools and they have amazing presentations but you may not always look at an amazing presentation and go that was amazing you know it's it's part of the what they do in the presentation that matters it's their narration it's their, their conversation it's their it's the way that they they tell stories it's the way that they interact with the buyer so presentation is a lot when it comes to talking so think about like all the things that you need to do at a table or in front of a room you need to be able to talk to people you need to be able to demonstrate you need to be able to uh, go through and show how something operates you need to be able to tell stories and you need to be able to ask questions all at the same time we're keeping we're keeping the person engaged and keeping them with the, some buy-in to what you're doing now once you've dealt with self-image, discovery, rapport, questions, presentations, then you get objections. Now, the objections can handle, you can you can have, excuse me, you can have throughout the entire presentation, okay? But I put them towards the end because this is where most people deal with them. Uh, it's how they deal with the problem problem the buyer has. It's the calmness. It's the walk into the fire belief. You know, the people that freak me out more in life, Are the people who are super calm when there's danger around? Because that person has a good state of mind. And in my mind, they're the most dangerous than somebody who is acting kind of crazy. Got a lot of reasons for this, but like with that clear clarity and that thought process, in my mind, that's a dangerous person. I don't mean it bad. I'm just saying, like, oh my goodness, somebody who's clear and calm in the face of danger is a danger in themselves because they can think through what they're going to do and watch out because they're going to get you. And then number seven is negotiation. What do they do when the deal's closed? How do they interact with buyers? How do they make something happen? Well, I'll tell you what they do. They take their self-image, their delivery, their rapport, their questions and stories, presentations, objection handling, and, and they walk forward and they make things happen. You know, uh, I want to say when I was 20, I had a friend, and we used to go try to get into places that we weren't supposed to go. And I could think of a concert uh, in Sacramento. It wasn't really a concert; it was a radio show program. And we made up fake press badges. We made it look like that we were part of something official. I mean, this is before everybody had uh, their own laminating machines. So we went to the passport store. Uh, I mean, to the one of the box stores where they ship stuff for like you know FedEx and UPS. And we had passport photos made. And we made these generic looking badges to try to get into this event, try to get backstage. And I got a little bit further than my buddy did. But it, it was funny because like, you know, use all of these elements to try to get myself into places that I couldn't go. Uh, we used to go to picnic, like there, there would be picnics at lunch, lunches at, at a park, I'm sorry, lunches at a park. And we wouldn't know the people and there'd be like two or 300 people at these events. And we would try to go and pretend and say that we were part of a company. We got caught one time. It was pretty funny. Uh, We're we're getting questioned by a lady as we're putting salad and stuff on our plates. And and the lady's like, well, who are you guys? And so we start explaining who we are. And we got some low-level positions. (laughs) And she goes, you guys are full of it. I do all the hiring. I don't know who you are. Right, and so we got caught. We got caught trying to sneak into these parties, or this this event and this party. But she says, "I like that you guys came here and pretended." Tell us more about it. So we ended up hanging out with this company all day. Uh, I wish I could remember who it was, but I mean, like, this is my early twenties, and we did a lot of stupid stuff. You know, it's the same thing. Sometimes people will go to a party, a house party, and try to sneak their way in. Sometimes will people go to a party in a hotel and and crash the event, but like. If you can think in terms of like, if somebody dropped me off in the middle of nowhere, would I have the skills and the capabilities and the talents to get what I need in life? And this is what closers are capable of doing. Closers are capable of walking into something, having a good time and asking for a a favor for money, for a product or for a service, and then walking out with it. And as much as people don't like Grant Cardone or as much as people like Grant Cardone, like the 90 day millionaire thing, I thought was a really cool concept where he went to a town with a hundred bucks in his pocket and was able to talk himself into lodging and into doing business with people who had never met him and was able to walk out in 90 days and have a million bucks. Like that, that's a really cool premise. And I truly believe that if you can target these seven traits, these seven ideas of self image, delivery, rapport, questions, presentation, objections, and negotiation, you can literally get anywhere you want in life. You can get anything you want in life. You know, uh, In my family, sometimes I get the phone call, right? Scott, I need your help. What do you need help with? I need you to talk to this person, okay? What's the outcome that you want? And I could think of a time recently where my little sister called me and said, I'm having a problem with the car dealership. There's all these issues. Can you go fix it? And I take it as a challenge. I'm like, heck yeah, put me in, coach. I want to play. So I go and I talk to the dealership and I find out what's going on. And we just have a conversation. I have a conversation with the manager like I'm talking to you right now. And at the end of the day, I was able to achieve the outcome that she wanted and she didn't pay for anything, but we had a good time. We laughed and you know, the manager shook my hand and said, thanks for having me coming out and explaining it the way that you did. And inevitably this comes up. People will say to me, Scott, where did you learn this skill? Where did, where did these skills come from? And I'm going to give you an answer that you're probably not going to recognize right off the bat. Um, I, I have this belief that I don't care how difficult somebody is, I want to talk to them. And if you can deal with difficult buyers, upset people, you can close any deal. You really want to get better at sales, you really want to get the skills to close deals, find the difficult buyers. Everybody's like runs from them. Everybody says, I don't want to deal with them. But this, this is the thing. You will build your self-image. You will build your delivery, you will build rapport skills, you will build question capabilities, you will build presentation uh, abilities, you will build the ability, you will work through the ability to deal with objections, and then you'll be able to negotiate problems and challenges. But like most people, they want the easy thing. They're like, give me a book to read, give me a podcast episode to listen to, and, and you're doing the right thing. You're listening to this episode of the How to Sell show. But you really want to take your skills to the next level. Jump on the phone call with a difficult person. Watch a manager, a closer deal with problems. Like everybody wants to watch the sales presentation and that's good. You can watch a sales presentation and learn a lot. Where you're really going to have the rubber meet the road is how you interact with somebody when they're being upset, when they are upset, when they've been dealt with poorly, when somebody else hasn't delivered what they promised you'll put all these things to the test because it's really easy to walk in to deal with somebody who's upset. And the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to tell you everything that went wrong. Cause like there's going to be a story and the story is probably going to go sideways and they're probably going to tell you four or five times. And they're going to probably tell you six or seven times. And then at the end of the thing, you're going to have to ask the person what they want. So this is my formula for dealing with difficult people. You call them, talk to them face to face, if at all possible, because email makes this a little bit more difficult or chat, but I mean, you could still do it. So I'd say, Hey, tell me, tell me what happened. And they tell me, here's all the problems that happened. Here's all the issues. And then my normal answer is that's horrible. That absolutely sucks. You should be upset. And everybody tells me like, you say that out loud. Yeah, because like, I I need them to be where they're at. Now, if you listen to Chris Voss, he's going to tell you to get them to say that's right. Not you're right. That's right. So you recap the problem. Here's everything that you told me that's going down. Here's all the issues. Here's all the problems. And they go, yeah, that's right. And then my next question is, what do you want to do? Tell me what you want. Tell me what you believe in your mind is going to solve this problem. And then I let them talk. And then sometimes it comes down to negotiation and saying either I can or I can't do that. But I've learned this over time. And just being able to talk through just like I'm having this conversation right now in this episode. This is how I talk with people. So tell me what happened. That's horrible. I'm going to recap it. Here's all the things that happened. They say, yeah, that's right. And I'm going to flip around and say, so what do you want to do to fix this? And sometimes their, their outcome that they want, you know, is bigger than what is capable of being given. But remember this, that when you're dealing with a difficult person today, if they got an issue as a $10 problem, uh, five to seven days out is a hundred dollar problem two weeks out is a thousand dollar problem. And then three weeks out is free. Like it, it, and you could change the numbers, but like, this is typically how things roll out. The further that you get away from an event happening, the more that people think that it should have a discount, no matter what the situation was, no matter how trivial it may be in your mind, because they've talked about it at parties. They've talked about it at bedtime with their significant other. They've talked about it with uh, people in line at school. They've talked about it with random strangers And so they have this whole thing wrapped up in their head about what they want and what they want to do. And at the end of the day, the further you get away from an event, the more that it costs. But when you go and you deal with difficult people, here's what you get. You get the ability to help your self-image because you get to walk away and that's a bigger win than closing a deal. You get to learn delivery because dealing with upset people is not always as easy as dealing with people who are in a good mood, but people who are upset will still buy PS. Uh, You get to work on rapport when people are upset. Like it's really hard to talk about puppies and football teams and uh, Brazilian women's beach volleyball, go team Brazil. Um, The questions that you ask have to be on point and they have to be, they have to work to your favor. And then realize that part of what you're doing when somebody's upset is you are giving a presentation. You're showing like, I've got the skills to listen and I can go through this information. And then you're going to deal with the objections. Like they're still upset. And, and, and every time that somebody is upset, the objection is they want to tell you multiple times that you were wrong. That's one of the reasons why I say this is horrible and it shouldn't have happened that way. And I take responsibility. And then negotiation. What is it that they want? So ultimately, at the end of the day, you you really do need to work on whatever skills that you're lacking and that you you feel like that need to be targeted. I, I gave you my list of seven things. I went first right? And you could pick seven completely different things, or you could say, Scott, I like six of them. I'm going to change one of them. Fine. Fine. But at the end of the day, take a look and see what you could figure out. Seven skills that all closers have that that you correlate and that you feel like you could work on or that you feel like would would benefit your sales process. I'm just going to give them to you one more time. Self-image, delivery, rapport, questions, presentations, objections, and negotiations. So, Use those as your template. The next time that you watch a closer close a deal, ask, Hey, what, which one of these skills did they use? Which one were they masterful at? What one do they lean on the most? So I, am going to give you a hint right here. Okay. Most salespeople live on lean on rapport. That is their go-to. So when I role play and I work with salespeople, I take rapport out of the equation. I make sure that they can't build a rapport with me. I won't play that game. Because if that's the only one that you have and that's the only one that you lean on, you won't develop the other six. So if you didn't have rapport, what would you do? If you couldn't if you couldn't meet with a buyer and talk to them about, you know, volleyball, women's beach volleyball, go team Brazil, you couldn't talk to them about cars or puppies or uh, professional sports teams or kids, where would you go? Now, uh, the one that's overused the most is rapport. And you're probably thinking, Scott, could you please, 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 please with some vanilla ice cream and uh, chocolate syrup on top, tell me the one that's used the least. And I'm going to say yes questions. Questions are the ones that I see salespeople miss out on the most. Like, uh, you know, most salespeople are very good at telling stories, but where they really struggle is getting people engaged in a question where they really struggle is having the patience of the answer where they really struggle is digging in and doing the follow-up question. So like there's a, there's a saying in sales that the fortune is in the follow-up and I'm going to say, yeah, the fortune is in the follow-up. Uh, the fortune is in the follow-up question, not just the follow-up. Let me see where this person's at. Are they going to buy? they going to do business with me. Really? The the true fortune is in the follow-up of asking really good questions in a presentation. So you could walk in the door and you can have amazing self-image and you can have amazing discovery and you can have amazing rapport, but like the, the magic, the secret sauce that isn't ketchup and mayonnaise and crushed pickles is questions. Because if you, if you ask the right questions, you're going to give a better presentation. If you ask the right questions, you're going to deal with objections better. If you ask the right questions, you're going to be able to negotiate better. And there's there's a dance, there's a timing to this. There's, there's an ability for you to learn these strategies, but make your list. What, what seven would you pick? What would you put on this list? What would, what would you do a little bit differently? What would you say a little bit differently? And the reason I bring that up is like sometimes critical thinking skills are one of the better tools for you to have, and it didn't quite make the list, but critical thinking skills are going to overlay all of these. And so ask the questions. Um, and, and, you know, critical thinking does go into questions, but it also goes into how you correlate information and how you stack it up. So I, if, if that was like a bonus, like Scott, come on, I I want eight. You gave me seven, seven's an odd number. I want eight. I would say critical thinking skills and being able to explain what's going to happen. Uh, if the, the correlation between two ideas, you know, concepts and theories, but as you as you work through this, as you develop your sales skills, as you develop your talents, how are you going to get better? Well, here's the thing. Self-image, if you really want to get better at self-image, you lose weight, you go to the gym, you, you dress the way that makes you feel good. My self-image, I got made fun of a lot and said that... Uh, I I smelled Scott smells. So I have some of the most amazing cologne. I've got Clive Christian C. I've got time Tom Ford private. uh, I've got creed. I've got uh, (laughs) um, Mason Francis Kershikon. I mean, there's things that I've done in my life to help with my ability to have a better self image, lost a bunch of weight, you know, got to wear the Aloha shirts though. Then delivery delivery came down to recordings Delivery came down to me watching other people present. Delivery came down for me practicing and role-playing because it's not a sales call. It's a performance. And then rapport. Like rapport, I could tell you how to, to get better at rapport. And part of it is just going and talking to random people. You want to build rapport better, you got to talk to just random people. And like I always tried to figure out if I could make somebody smile, if I could make somebody laugh. Questions. People struggle with questions and then there's a point where you become an interrogator and you're not really doing the right thing for the person that you're meeting with. So questions can happen inside of a sales process where you just learn how to ask one more question. Can you share with me why you think that? Can you, can you give me an idea of how that would work? Would you mind giving me the, the way that you see this breaking down or the steps of the process? Presentation. This is also going to come from watching others And then recording your presentation as well. And one of the greatest things that you could ever do is record your presentations when you're at top and when you're at the bottom because you're going to say things differently. You're going to tell different stories. You're going to leave stories out. You're going to leave questions out. And then dealing with objections. This is going to come from role play. It's like realistically one of the only ways that you're going to get this done is role play play plus real life action. Real life action. You're going to have to put ped pen to paper. You're going to have to put the pedal to the metal and just deal with objections. And remember, there's like five to seven objections in every industry. And then there becomes a hybrid of about 25 to 35 objections that you're going to face. But if you can get the five basic ones down, you could deal with the hybrids. That's just the way that it works. And then there's always the weird ones. Like I got to pray about it that, you know, salespeople really struggle with. Uh, and then last off is negotiation. And the way that you learn how to negotiate better is you go find stuff around your house, find 10 things that you don't care about, 10 trinkets, 10 products, 10 services, and, and put them up on Facebook, Marketplace, Craigslist, whatever, or hold a yard sale and see what you can get for some of these items. See if you can tell a story. There was there was a uh, a, a, a reporter, excuse me, there was an author. Okay, a journalist, Rob Walker, I had to think about this. Rob Walker uh, went and bought like a bunch of items and paid, I don't know, like 200 bucks for it and sold these items on eBay and got $8,000 for them. And so they've got a website called significantobjects.com. And the, the stories that he told about the products allowed him to charge more. And the reason that I bring this up is when you're going through and you're learning how to sell and you're learning how to be better at closing... Part of objections and negotiations is going to be the stories that you tell, the conversations that you have with the buyer, the way that you interact with people. And so if if you go through and you learn how to sell things and you learn how to negotiate better by selling goods and services on Craigslist, on Facebook, or whatever your national version of of this is, garage sales, um, swap meets. All of these things really do help your negotiation skills because like when salespeople are brand new, they don't have the dance down. They don't have the timing down. The timing is awkward. You know, one of the ways that you can also practice timing is by recapping or doing a movie. You could could re-imagine and see and role-play with somebody a movie scene. You could use a movie scene to your advantage. It doesn't have to be that you sell things, but it really does help. Okay. So you get these products or services, you put them up for sale and you meet with people and you find things that you really don't care for about that care about around your house, because then you're not going to be emotionally tied to it. But you, know, you should see what you can sell these things for. Could you get 20 bucks out of something you think is worth 10? Could you get a hundred bucks out of something you think is worth 50? Could you trade and barter? Like trade and barter are skills that come down to negotiation that a lot of people don't have. Like, what would you do if you didn't have the money? You know, my my mentor, Jay Abraham, that's one of his favorite things to say. So what would you do if you didn't have the money? How would how would you come up with this uh, a way to devise this? Who could you do a three-way deal with? You know, and for you, if you're looking and you're like, hey, what are the seven skills that Scott says that all closure has? Self-image, delivery, rapport, questions, presentation, objections, and then negotiations. And then the bonus of critical thinking, by the way. So like if, if you could work on those skills and you could work on those talents and capabilities, what would you go to do? Where, where would you look? You know, I also shared with you that one of the things that people overuse is rapport. And that one of the things that people least use is questions. So who could you talk to who's got better questions? Could you meet with an attorney? You got a friend that's an attorney? Do you have somebody who is uh, masterful at asking questions, an engineer type personality? These are all things for you to, to work towards. And you know what? Here's the thing. I believe in you. And the reason why is that you've stayed this long into the episode of the How to Sell show. And, you know, you ask the question, like, is Scott right? Are those seven things the real deal? Self-image, discovery, delivery, rapport, questions, presentations, objections, and negotiations, and then the bonus of critical thinking. So start watching other people. See what they do that you like. See what they do that annoys you but still allows them to close a deal. There's a lot of things that I looked at in sales when I first got started, and I said, there's no way that that would work. Like, I worked with this guy, Joel and Joel was masterful for getting budgets. Joel would go in and Joel knew more people in Sacramento that made over $400,000 than anybody I've ever met in my life. Okay. Joel would, Joel would go into meetings and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to get you your insurance policy. And you know, to get a real one, you're going to have to start at about 400 bucks a month. Tell me when it's going to hurt. Can you do 500? Can you do 600? Could you do 700? Could you do 800? Could you do 1000? Tell me when it hurts. Could you do 1200? Could you do 1500? Could you do two grand? You know, I sat down and watched this guy do a presentation one time and get $5000 a month for an insurance policy by doing that. But he started at 1000 and went 1500, 2000, 2500, 3000, 3500, 4000, 4500, and at 5000 the person finally goes, "Yeah, that's about where it's going to hurt for me." Um, we could do $5000 a month. Well, that was a good policy. So find people who can ask better questions than you. And it might be a salesperson, it might be a manager, but start writing them down and keep them all in a the spot. There are seven traits to closers that I believe that are the top things out there that allow them to close deals. And there's self-image, delivery, rapport, questions, presentation, objections, and negotiation. <laughs> Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.